usually the first interaction is through different social media platforms, LinkedIn, uh, WhatsApp, Facebook, any kinds of social media platforms is where they would use to reach their potential victims. Introducing The Protectors, inside criminal minds from around the world. Presented by the IAFCI, leaders in safeguarding consumers from fraud and scams for more than 50 years. And now your hosts, International President Mark Solomon and Chairman of the Board Michael Carroll. Hello, everybody. This is Mike Carroll, International Chairman of the International Association of Financial Crimes Investigators. I am with Mark Solomon, our international president. Mark, how you doing today? Mr. Chairman, doing good. Uh, glad we're in 2024 and cruising right along. The IFCI, uh, the organization is doing great. So uh, our podcast is doing great as well. We're reaching so many people out there and educating them about the frauds and scams and some of the scariest stuff you could possibly see out there. And I think today's uh, episode is definitely going to be one of those completely scary scams that are out there. You know, Mark, I was looking at the numbers uh, today. Uh, We're right around 7,500 members and growing. And, you know, I think the podcast has a little to do with that. Don't you agree? Yeah, yeah. Getting the word out to everybody about all the scams and frauds and going on, and word out about our organization. And I think the podcast is really helping to not only provide training and education, but uh, to increase our membership. Yeah, absolutely. We've actually had people that uh, first heard of us through the podcast that are already in the field, investigators, and they've joined the IFCI because of it. You know, primarily we're here to just try and educate the public and and keep them safe, you know, so they don't become a victim of these types of frauds and scams. So, and Mike, you know, what the nice thing is too is we are international, right? That's right. So we have multiple chapters uh, throughout the world. And uh, our guests here are actually from the incredible country of Canada and our subject matter experts and uh, really looking forward to the show today, Mike. I'm excited, Mark. Why don't you introduce our guests? All right, Mike. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce our next two guests to the podcast. Our first guest is the manager of detection for British Columbia Securities Commission. He previously spent 16 years in policing, including with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. He joined the commission in 2010, and he has investigated the collapse of two BC-based cryptocurrency exchanges. He left briefly for the private sector, but returned to the Securities Commissions to resume his current role. Our second guest is a senior investigator with the British Columbia's Security Commission. He has been tracing crypto for the agency several years and is on multiple working groups investigating cryptocurrency schemes, including pig butchering. We are excited to welcome to the podcast, Sammy Wu and Chris Thompson. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sammy and Chris, for coming on today's show. We're very excited. Uh, We know you two are experts on a certain topic that we want to discuss today, and it's uh, pig butchering. And probably two years ago, I've never really heard of it. I had a family member almost got caught up in it when they got a text from somebody saying that, hey, we'll see you at the wedding on Saturday, and responded, what wedding? And then they're like, oh, I'm sorry, Uh, what is your name? And then it started. But luckily, this person had common sense and didn't get caught up into it. But I was going to ask you, uh, maybe Sammy, just start with you. Can you tell us what is pig butchering? So pig butchering, it's just a common term being used these days uh, by multiple jurisdictions, agencies regarding 
you know, kind of a social uh, engineering type scam where you, as you had mentioned before, that you receive suddenly a text from somebody saying that they know you and then they start kind of online friendship with you. And then eventually they'll pitch to you about some investment opportunity, talking about some extremely high rate of return. Usually it's about crypto these days. I would say 95% uh, of crypto, the other 5% may be Forex. They'll just direct you to some kind of a website where you can open an account online to trade your crypto. You would then send your money in. And why is it called pick butchering? Because at the very initial phase where you would, you know, you open your account, you put in your deposits, you would sign onto your account online, just like online banking, you would actually see your money grow. So the victim would think, oh, I must be making a lot of money as what he was saying, uh, as my friend that I just met online. And then you start to withdraw money, right? So you start to withdraw, maybe try 1000 or a few hundred dollars. They usually get your money back the first few tries because that's how they hook you. So as a result, you would then invest more money in. That's where the pick butchering part come in. They try to fatten you. You know, it's kind of a bad way to call it, but you're calling the victim as a pig, but you're trying to fatten you, right? So once you become fat, you know, a humongous amount of return, Eventually, when you try to withdraw more money, you can't. And that's when they slaughter you, right? That's why it's called pig butchering. Uh, and eventually, they just disappear. We've seen people invest hundreds and thousands of dollars, even millions of dollars, thinking that they have uh, investment which grew to such a substantial amount. Eventually, they just lost everything. So that's and, basically what the pig butchering is. And Sam, uh, that uh, phrase, again, and I, like I said, it sounds like a very, uh, how to say, difficult phrase to, to call a scam, but it's not something created by us. It was actually... It comes from the word shazupan uh, right. from Southeast Asian countries that they, they term this uh, type of scam. That's right. That's right. It, it's from Southeast Asia. Yeah, that's how, they, uh, that's how that term started you know, being flowed around. It's been used. And as a result, it, it is a very descriptive, I, I guess a very, I, I want to say a very um, easy way to describe the situations, even though, yeah, it's not, we're not trying to call the victims pigs, but it's just a, that's, that's a term that, uh, that the industry came up with, and that's why we've been calling it, using that term. Got it. Just so our audience, because we've, we've talked about this topic a little bit before, and people, you know, some comments are like, you know, we don't like the terminology, but, you know, we didn't coin it. And, and the reason that they use this is because it resembles the butchering of a pig and fattening it before the pig is killed. And obviously, we're not calling, you know, victims pigs or anything like that. So, but can you tell us, this seems like a very intricate plan well-versed, orchestrated by these criminals. How does it start? How do they first interact with victims? So usually the first interaction is through different social media platforms. You have mentioned about receiving a text. So I received tons of these texts, uh, you know, out of the blue from someone claiming that they met me yesterday or they know me, Who? what's your name? Hey, they started a conversation. And then also other social media platforms. I got tons of invitations on even LinkedIn, uh, WhatsApp, uh, Facebook, you know, any kinds of social media platforms is where they would use the medium to reach their potential victims. Well, let me ask Chris. I mean, this scam, you, you need to get the trust of the victim. I mean, sure. there's so many victims out there. I heard there's like 41,000 in the last year in the States or maybe more. So are these like very good actors? I and mean, how are they convincing the person that falls for the scam to get involved? How are they so good at doing what yeah, they do? I- 
I think there's two parts to that. The first part of it is the entities or groups that run these types of scams, they're really well-oiled machines. And they're, they're essentially run like a corporation. Like they've got frontline staff, backend tech support, financial service providers, they've got scripts, they've got how-to manuals, they've got standard operating procedures out there. Uh, you can do some uh, Googling and look for something like scamming standard operating manual or something like that, and you'll find one. I found one online for a bunch of Nigerian scammers, and it has a bunch of opening lines. It's like, here's the lines that you say if you just want to meet someone off the top. And some of them are actually pretty good. So that's one side of it where there's a sort of entire organization dedicated to, to finding these people. And the other side of it, I think, is a lot of the victims, they are sort of more vulnerable to that for one reason or another. They're either, you know, some of them are going through a divorce or they're, they're having some hard time in their life or their parents just died, something like that. So they're, they're kind of uniquely vulnerable to these types of things. And so when a frontline worker of one of these organizations meets someone who might be a little bit vulnerable, you have what's called the, the team one, which is they're the group uh, that goes out there to find the people that are willing to chat. And once they find someone who's willing to chat, then team two comes in. And then team two are the people that have a little bit more experience at getting people to trust them. And one of the interesting things we've seen here, and somewhat disheartening really, is just how sophisticated the scammers operations are. Uh, our OSINT specialist here, Heidi, shout out to Heidi, um, we did a presentation on this a while ago. They have these programs that can consolidate a bunch of different social media accounts. So if you have 15 Facebook accounts or 10 WhatsApp accounts or whatever it is, they have this sort of dashboard where you can interact with all these people at the same time. And then you have a team of scammers in wherever they are messaging these people in this kind of concerted effort. And they have biographical information. They have suggested times and dates to talk about things like day two, start mentioning family, day four, start mentioning finances, that type of thing. And then everyone takes notes. They put it in on this bio so that someone else can step in on a different shift and start talking and pretending to be this person's object of affection online. And Chris, when you're talking about the fraudster gaining the trust of the potential victim, it's not like overnight, right? This could take up to a year or two years. I mean, this could go on for a long time before the fraudster feels it's the right time to start asking about investing or other ways of getting people's money. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the hardest parts for me is to put myself in the place of a victim. We can all say to ourselves, oh, you know, I would never fall for that. Or how did these people do this? Or why did they do that? But until we've actually had a situation where, you know, someone online has been chatting with us for a month. Like if you think a month is a long time to talk with someone on a daily basis and to try and make them feel safe and comfortable and, and uh, to, to, to feel like you have a trusted ally, that's, that's a lot of time and effort and organization that it takes on behalf of the scammers to gain the trust of the victims. And you're yeah. right, it's, it's you know, three, four months, up to a year. So yeah. And Sammy, I, I want to follow up with you too, is that you know, I was reading an article on this in Forbes recently, and it said that you know, this is kind of a perfect storm of scams. It's online romance meets investment scam meets crypto fraud and even human trafficking. And what I wanted to see if we could focus on, too, is a lot of people that are doing the communicating, they're not willing participants, right? Reaching out and defrauding these victims. Sometimes they're, they're forced into this type of activity. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yes. 
And again, are there particular areas in the world that you guys are seeing that these operations are, are being set up in, in certain countries, certain criminal groups that are running these organizations? Yeah, so that's a very interesting question, because when we started investigating this around 2020, about the pandemic, that was actually the start of it, where we started seeing more and more in this kind of scam. So how we were able to determine the uh, jurisdiction, what countries they're from, was because of blockchain tracing. Chris Thompson did all of the blockchain tracing. Uh, we traced from the victim's wallet over to the blockchain, find out that they got deposited in certain compliant crypto exchanges where we get the KYCs to find out where these uh, account holders are located. At the very beginning phase, the 2020 I'm talking about, we see Ukraine that was before the war, and also we see Nigeria that was the main predominant countries. As time progressed, we're now seeing majority of these are um, Southeast Asia. Uh, there are some Nigerians, uh, but the majority of them are in Southeast Asia. Now, in terms of the operations, so we have seen also in, from the Philippines as well. And so it's also around that you know, general region in Southeast Asia. And also, I know that I've uh, spoken to uh, Aaron West from the U.S., and we have you know, communicated with them in the U.S., uh, you know, our, our law enforcement partnership there. And we have also seen a lot of, uh, you know, uh, their research has been finding into uh, uh, human trafficking victims in Myanmar and uh, Cambodia, where they actually have different compounds. I think Aaron West has actually went to those countries and taken pictures of these compounds where they were uh, human trafficking victims being housed in those warehouses to be used as those uh, workers that Chris was just mentioning, all those uh, different uh, you know, groups, right? They're reaching out on the social media platform. Those are the kind of people, you're right. So a lot of these people were not even willing participants. Uh, they got scammed themselves because of some job scam or something. They got, you know, coerced into going to Myanmar or Cambodia and then ended up unwittingly working for these, uh, these uh, organized crimes in Southeast Asia. Mm, wow. Hey, Chris, let me ask you this. Um, they get the person involved in this pig butchering and they become friends, and they kind of get away from the romance where now it's about making money. I mean, they go as far as setting up like a fake website of some crypto company where they could invest, and they put all the charts up there and things like that. Do you see a lot of that where they got these fake websites to get people to entice them to invest money into these bogus companies, and that's how they lose money? Oh, every day. Yeah, that seems to be wow. a pretty common theme among all the pig butchering scams is, I mean, the money's got to go somewhere. And you, the premise is that you're investing in some kind of company or a trading software or a trading service. And so we see just dozens and dozens and dozens of these, of these websites, some of which are actually really well done. Um, now, you can buy these websites. There's companies out there who are dedicated to creating investment websites. And I think for something like 160 bucks US, uh, you can get up and running with a fake website. And what they'll do is they'll have real-time trading screens, they'll have real-time trading data, but they'll link it to a back-end database that's just made up. So after the fact, they can change trades, they can make the trades look better or worse than they, than they actually were. And that's how people end up seeing that they've made all this money when they really haven't. It's just a bunch of entries in a, in a scammer's made-up database. They'll even go as far as they'll make up fake regulators. Uh, they've cloned any number of regulators around the world. Uh, so they say, like, hey, we're a certified registered firm. You can look it up in the cryptocurrency authority of Venezuela or whatever. Like They'll conjure up, you know, insert regulatory sounding name plus country, and then they'll have a list of greenlit entities in this completely fake website, uh, this fake regulator website. And 
sort of as an addition to that, they've even gone as far as creating scam recovery services. So if you lost money in an investment, often you'll get what's called a recovery room fraud, which is where you're targeted by the same or part of the same group of scammers because they've got all your info and they know how much you've invested. So a different group of that same scam organization will call you back and say, you know, hey, Mr. Thompson, we understand that you invested... um, you know, $100,000 through scamcoin.com. We want to let you know that we've raided and arrested 25 members of scamcoin.com, and we are ready to return your $100,000 to you. All you have to do is send 3.5% of the amount to be recovered to the following wallet in order to confirm your identity or something like that. And so you're like, oh, I can get my money back. And then you just get victimized again by the same people. And what we've also seen is these non-targeted crypto recovery services. So you go out and you'll Google, you know, can I get my crypto back or some variant of that? And there's recovery services online where they'll say, hey, we can get money back. Here's all these glowing testimonials. We have a bunch of people who are successful. And they had something like 300 positive trust pilot reviews. And it, it, like they've gone through this elaborate, um, this to legitimize themselves, of work. right? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And, and if you don't know that basically the money's gone asterisk for the most part. The, the money's basically gone. It's gone. It's been laundered. It's whatever. Um, it might seem convincing because there's all these positive reviews. People will send you know, testimonials and samples and, and blockchain tracings. And it's, it's incredible just to see how much time and effort uh, the scammers take to make their scam websites and recovery room websites and all these things look legitimate. Yeah, Chris, it's like a full production orchestration. Like I said, there's so many moving parts in this, different actors, uh, hierarchy of these groups. What about the use of remote login or remote desktop? Are are they actually getting the victims to let them maybe access their computers? Yeah, I think that's one of the key parts to it, too, is a lot of these services will say, you're going to send the money to a wallet. It's your wallet. You're doing the trading. Let me log on to your computer to show how it's done. And they'll use services. Uh, I think AnyDesk is the only one that comes to mind. I'm sure there's others uh, that they'll log on to your computer. And once they've logged on to your computer, they kind of have carte blanche to, to sort of mess around with things. And in, in the more benign circumstances, they'll log on to the website for you. They'll help you trade your fiat dollars for crypto on your whatever exchange you're using to trade your your fiat dollars to crypto. Uh, But in some of the more nefarious cases, they'll actually open up websites and they'll edit the HTML code. So for listeners, really what what that looks like is, and I'm not sure which among the listeners would know this or not, but if you open up like your online banking, the information that's displayed on your website gets downloaded from the bank server, stored on your computer, and displayed on your screen. And what a bad actor can do is they can actually change that information as it's displayed on your screen. So they'll, I don't know, show a picture or something like that, and they'll open up the back-end coding part of the web browser, and they can change your bank balance. Wow. And wow. one example that, that was particularly nefarious I've heard of was someone had uh, an exchange. I forget which one it was. I won't mention one. But they had an exchange. It was a legit exchange that was registered. And they kept saying, oh, no, I have $250,000 in my account. And I was like, well, that, that doesn't make sense. And what it was was that the scammer had just changed the amount in the code on the website to show that they had that much money in their crypto wallet. Wow. Wow. And it actually took a hard reset. Like they had to like clear their cookies and reload the page or something like that to actually show the proper amount of zero. 
so if you're not familiar with a lot of this stuff, like I can totally see how people can get um, confused or, or the wrong idea of basically how much money they have, right? Yeah, the technology, it's scary what the fraudsters can do, you know, to manipulate that data and see something that's really not there, you know? Wow. Yeah. Uh, Sammy, Chris, when you talk about those that are victims of the scam, it's it's anybody, right? It could be somebody that's old or young, um, any ethnicity, um, rich, poor. I mean, there's no one particular group that these fraudsters are going after, right? I mean, they're just going after people that are going to, you know, give their money up. Yeah, that is correct. There is really no age, gender, you know, uh, race. I mean, we've seen just all types of, uh, you know, ages, you know, seniors, younger. Initially, I thought that, okay, they must be just targeting the people who are more tech savvy because they're on social media platforms, Right, but they're not. Uh, you know, uh, older generations they're more vulnerable because they are not as tech savvy. So they may be just you know getting onto social media because of the pandemic. So they spend more time online trying to you know uh, connect with people, and so you see just all kinds of uh, individuals. I, I think the only one general comment that I can make about what would be characteristics would be somebody who was just not. Uh, that sophisticated in terms of, uh, you know, about money and also savings and also, uh, you know, about crypto. So it's kind of a hype, right? Crypto is just, it's such a hype, you know, asset class. I've never actually seen something like this. I've been in the industry, you know, law enforcement for all these years. I've yet to seen something as massive as crypto in terms of fraud. Uh, I think that's just because of the fact that it, it's kind of a mystique area. People talking about it. We've seen social media platforms have all these, you know, crypto investors, you know, uh, flaunting their wealth, and I think people just didn't want to miss out. FOMO sets in, and I think that's 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 probably uh, part of the reason. See, I mean, I I, I kind of you know I've always thought, what's the popularity of cryptocurrency and and fraud and. And again, you know, cryptocurrency is legit, but however, fraudsters uh, can use it as legitimate people. But, you know, I think a lot of people maybe don't understand it completely. So that's an advantage for the fraudster uh, to use that. And then the other thing, what I think, too, is it's a push transaction. So, you know, if you wire money off from your bank, you know, if you act quickly, uh, there's a chance of, of recovering those funds. But when you once you push that cryptocurrency exchange uh, off to the fraudster or to another person in the scheme, it is very difficult to get it back, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I would say it, it's almost zero chance of getting it back. You know, the U.S., there have been some, you know, success in getting compliant crypto exchanges, the freeze accounts. But uh, in Canada, I can tell you that the process of actually getting those orders is extremely difficult and long and lengthy. So as a result, it's almost impossible to uh, to be able to catch up to the speed of the loss. So, And the other thing relating to crypto is it's just that crypto is so complex in how it functions and even in the the sort of idea behind it like people don't really understand how the blockchain works they understand like bitcoin is a thing and even i've been sort of misled by some of the the more ingenious tactics by scammers like one example that people have created fake ethereum tokens and so uh, you, you can make a token you can call it whatever you want you can give it whatever kind of ticker symbol you want and so as an example, someone created a token called Ethereum, 
with the ticker of ETH. And so what that means is you can send it around, and it's this is a little bit technical, but it's an ERC-20 token. It's not the native coin on the Ethereum blockchain. But what happens is some wallet programs or some uh, websites, they just look up the, the three-letter ticker, like ETH, to see how much it's worth. They don't actually look to see if it's the real Ethereum coin. So you set up these fake coins, you can send them to people, and they're like, oh, I just got 200 Ethereum, which is worth, I don't know, whatever that is, $400,000 or something like that. And then they'll think, oh, great, this is awesome. And then they think they have $400,000 because of some particularly ingenious scammer. And unless you click a certain thing and, and drag a certain slider and push a certain button and look at a certain place, you won't know that it's actually worth like three cents. It's sort of like the perfect uh, storm of fraud. I mean, like I said, they're using all the techniques from counterfeiting to human trafficking to, you know, fake websites using a remote desktop to access changing, you know, the back room on a financial industry and records and showing there's money. I mean, it's just like putting all the different frauds together to make this mega scam. Absolutely. And that even caught me. Like I saw on our on tracing software, like, oh, there's a bunch of USDT here, but why doesn't it show whatever it was? And I sent an email to the support service being like, your software's got a glitch in it. It doesn't show blah, blah, blah. And they wrote back like, no, that's a scam token. I was like, oh, I should have seen that because the contract address is wrong. And I've been doing it for years at this point, right? And it just... it. I didn't notice it. So it literally happens to everyone. There's, there's also one additional area I'd just like to add, AI too, right? Where artificial intelligence is so you know, prominent these days. We've seen a lot of these fake video that they've created, fake, uh, bad actors created using, you know, Elon Musk is the, one of the most popular person uh, promoting, well, the fake Elon Musk promoting for them is that they will use Elon Musk to say, you know, use a real video Elon Musk. They will change, uh, you know, using AI to generate, uh, you know, the, the change the, the video of how he was speaking. So whatever he speaks is actually matching up to what he's, the words that's coming out. And those words have all, obviously, it's all fake. He was be promoting, promoting a website that he said that he spent billions of dollars uh, and it's created exclusively for Canadian citizens. So again, going Back to you know how they're creating exclusivity, right? And there's time limit. They, the government trying to shut this down because this is such a great opportunity. We have to you have to act quick. And of course, within those at the end, when you scroll down to the bottom, those will be just distributed on Facebook and different social media platforms. When you scroll down, there always there's a link. That's where you click on that link. That's when you start bombarded with calls from the these workers from uh, different countries. Uh, for example, in a compound in Myanmar or, or Cambodia, they start bombarding you, saying that they are the representative for that company. They, you know, they see that you're trying to open, uh, wanted to invest, and they're trying to open an account for you, and then that's you just never end. Like those calls would just start coming in day in day out, and then they, you know, and then you just, uh, you know, fell for it. Yeah. Hey, Chris, let me ask you: What could a victim do? What would be the number one thing they should do if they learn? Oh my God, you know, I just fell for the scam, uh, pig butchering. Now, 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 what do I do? I mean, is something that they should. Notify authorities right away, um, or notify their financial institution. Uh, what would you What would you recommend? Yeah, I would talk to your local authority first. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, once the money's gone, it's gone. But still, what's really important is for law enforcement to get the information about the scam. And I think once that information gets consolidated, then they just they have an idea of. You know, at some point, if a, a scam center gets taken down, then they at least have the information about who was victimized. And at some point, you know, there might be money recovered down the, down the road. I, I have heard of that happening. 
Um, and I think the most important, a couple most important things, you know, cut off all communications with the scammers. They're going to call you back. They're going to hound you. Like I've heard cases where they'll get four or five calls a day. Uh, the recovery room scammers are going to show up. They're going to call you pretending to be able to get your money back, but they'll ask for more money to do it. You know, people will, they'll want to get their money back. I mean, it's natural that for, for some people, this is like significantly life changing amounts of money. And then I think is a very, very hard pill to swallow. Um, yeah. And, and Chris, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, Mike and I have done a number of uh, episodes here on the podcast with romance scams, investment scams. But, you know, people don't realize how this affects them, not only financially, but emotionally. Uh, we've, you know, known of a number of cases where people have committed suicide because they lost sure, everything. Yeah. Yeah, I I think our effort should not only go to detection and prosecution and enforcement, but really prevention. Yeah, and I think there's there's a couple of aspects to that. You know, the the BC Securities Commission. We have some parts of our websites out there that people can go to to get more information. Like we've got investright.org, we've got cryptoscams.ca, uh, and there's a few other links which I think we've sent over to you guys for the show notes. But what am I? my beliefs is that the same types of things that make people more vulnerable to these online investment scams are the same types of things that make people more vulnerable to bad relationships in general. And like a lot of these happen when, as I said before, like people have had some kind of traumatic event in their life, like a, a divorce or a, a parent dies or something like that. And I think if, if you know someone who's going through something like that, get in touch with them. And try and help them, you know, not withdraw into their own world. Because once you once you become sort of the shut in out of whatever the cause is, like if you're if your spouse died, like that's a tremendously traumatic event, and you just want to sit on the couch. And then all of a sudden you're you're surfing online, and someone starts messaging you, and then that's how they get in. And I think the common advice is, you know, it's too good to be true. Check the registration. Um, all of that's good advice, but I still think there's this other sort of mental health part to it that we just have to sort of keep an eye on our friends. If there's someone that we think might be getting in that type of mental state, you know, try and bring them out of it. I think that's my best advice. And I like what you're saying about, you know, end all conversation with these uh, fraudsters immediately, and then don't be embarrassed, report it. Obviously, there's a good possibility that you're not going to get your money back. But for a prosecutor, right, the more people that make a report, the better chance of prosecution. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so even though before I did make a comment about, you know, the chance of you recovering your, your, your money is very, very slim to, to zero, that's even though it's true, but there is still... There is still a slight chance because we, we have seen other jurisdictions taking, you know, crack down on these operators, right? So, I mean, I, I don't want to be just giving kind of a doom and gloom outcome of it, even though, yes, the chance is very small. But but at least there is a hope that potentially that could be. And also, I, I think the main thing, though, too, is that we have been, the BCS has been taking a different approach in these type of scam because we know that these are organized crime from overseas. Uh, so as a regulator in Canada, like what is the ultimate outcome? If, even if we can make an allegation, even if we could, uh, a regulatory sanction is not going to really mean much. So we have been taking a disruption approach and trying to, you know, get these scam websites taken down and caution uh, the public about it. And for example, this podcast, obviously, we're more than happy to, to participate because I think it's a way to get the words out there. 
I think it's important to people to know that if they learn about these type of scam, I think the best way to to combat it is actually the prevention. So rather than finding the ways to 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 recover the funds, I think the best thing is if they just don't participate. I think the more people know about these type of scam, the better it is. We are in a better position. So that, I I think that it's important for people to recognize it, learn about it, right, and just don't even get involved in the first place. Yeah, it's you know, it's like you you got to stop it before it starts. That's the only yeah. way to not be a victim. Uh, these fraudsters are really good at what they do. They're convincing. They use uh, AI. They're using all sorts of technology to lure you into the scheme. You know, it's funny. Uh, you talk about talking to other people. One of our last guests, Carol Harris from uh, Postal Inspection Service, talked about having a bunker buddy. And I never heard the, the term before. And I said, what's a bunker buddy? He goes, well, listen, he says, you know, he's your best friend. When you're in a bunker, you're in a war, you know, you depend on each other. And he brought up the point about telling your bunker buddy, you know. So if you, you get involved in a relationship or you got this investment opportunity, tell somebody with the training and education that you're providing, that we're putting out through the podcast, more and more people are becoming aware of pig butchering. And one potential victim might reach out to their bunker buddy and be able to explain that it's a fraud. And one of the other important reasons to, to tell authorities is I don't know any securities regulator that doesn't have some version of like a warning list or a caution list. Like we have our we have an investment caution list on the BCSC website, and we put just about every one of these scams that we come across on there. And I think it it helps. Like if if someone's going to look up. Uh, a website that they're going to invest in, the first thing they're going to do is Google it. And hopefully, one of the first entries is either our entry or some securities regulator's entry on you know, scamcoin.com. And if that makes a few people think twice, you know, it's because that first victim reported it to us. So we could have the evidence to put that particular site on the ICL. And then it's a minimal effort for us. And it's very much appreciated when a victim comes to tell us that so we can get the word out there to avoid whatever particular website it is. Because it's, it's not a lot of effort for scammers to put up a new website, but it's not zero. So we're not going to stop them, but whatever kind of you know, cost and time effective things we can do to slow them down, like let's do them. You know, Sammy and Chris, a lot of great information today. You know, I got to mention, though, Mark and I were in uh, British Columbia. We were in Vancouver 2018 for our annual training conference. And what, a, what right. a great city. Well, it was beautiful. Uh, it, was. We had, it was an outstanding conference. Um, now, this we year... We are contractually we required to lord Vancouver's scenery over everyone we talk to. So, I'm glad you, you mentioned that. Yes, it's a very lovely city. <laughs> Well, this year it's in uh, uh, Henderson, uh, Nevada. There's there's going to be some great scenery there, um, <laughs> right outside Las Vegas. Uh, we'd love to invite you to come down, do some training for us if you got time. Uh, we'll send you out some information. It's the last week of uh, August this year. Sure. And I wanted to mention one more, uh, Mark. We had our annual conference. Unfortunately, uh, Mother Nature got in the way. We were in Tampa, and uh, our runner-up law enforcement of the year was Laura Middleton. She's a detective constable from Durham Regional Police Service yep. in Canada. And I thought of her because you were talking about AI, and she's going to talk about uh, she had a major case on the grandchild in trouble scam, which is another big one. Yep, yep. And I'm learning that they're using AI to impersonate the grandchild's voice. It's crazy. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we've no, heard of those, yeah. too. That's nuts. 
So, gentlemen, um, before we go, if there's one final point that you could stress to our listeners, they might be tuning in, never heard of pig butchering before, but if you could just give them one or two uh, the most important tips. I think one's got to be when you get that initial contact and you're, you're speaking with somebody you don't know. I mean, you know, but what are the two big giveaways you could tell our audience that might tip them off that this is a big butchering? I'd say not meeting face-to-face is probably the biggest single okay. single indicator, like yeah. Because then their stories don't make sense or they're often some you know, far-flung jurisdiction, whatever their story is, just ask themselves, have I seen anything here that can't be just made up? And meeting someone face you can't meet up face-to-face or with an invented person. Like, it just doesn't work like that. So that's mine. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And uh, also, there's a lot of things these days you just can't believe online, right? You see, even though you, you receive an you know, go can sign on to a website, as we have talked about how these websites look, look so professional these days. It's like online banking. There's no difference to you signing onto a website that looks exactly like your online banking. So even though you can sign on these websites and open an account, don't believe that it's legitimate. If, you, if it was being pitched to you by someone you met online, right, on social media, uh, definitely I'm not going to, you know, just put my money in without doing some research into it. You got to have to do your research. Is it real? Even though it looks real, a lot of times they are not real. So you can't really believe in everything you, you see online. Talk to your investment advisor. Like if you get a pitch from somebody about some crypto, hopefully you have an investment advisor you can talk to. Uh, or, you know, check uh, with your law enforcement uh, agency or your uh, local regulators. Chris had mentioned about we have an investment caution list, and most of the other regulators have the same as well. Check there to see if they're registered. Registration is for protection of, of the investors, right? There's one caveat I want to add as well, that even though investment caution list is there, even though you check investment caution list, and even though, they, they, for example, there's no caution, doesn't mean that that uh, purported entity is real either because there's just so many of them. It's just impossible for us to list every single one of them there. But if it's already there, you could probably say, well, I, I shouldn't be dealing with this. But even if it's not there, I think you should still do your own due diligence. You should still talk to somebody to find out if it's real. Too many fake stuff out there. It's, it's uh, amazing these days. Well, Sammy, Chris, I, I'm just going to mention one more thing. I'm, I'm not going to invest in... Uh cryptocurrency you know ever since i invested in uh, glow in the dark wallpaper i, I took a bath back then and, uh, I'm, I'm not gonna do it anymore you added that then to I, your beanie babies capital losses did you <laughs> <laughs> well i know I, I won't invest in cryptocurrency because i'm broke and i don't have any money to invest so uh, that's the that's the best way to not to be a victim i guess so <laughs> but gentlemen thank you so much for coming on the show we, we thank you on behalf of our audience, I even learned a ton today that I was unaware. Even like the post-recovery of your funds, uh, you know, it's the same group going after you to take a few more dollars away from you. But uh, really great episode. We appreciate you coming on. Be safe out there and uh, keep fighting the good fight to go after the bad guys. Well, I'm, I'm happy to be a longtime listener and a first-time caller. So thanks very much. All right. Nice. All right. It's a pleasure. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Sammy and Chris, for coming on today's show. But we also want to thank Laurie Chambers from the British Columbia Securities Commission for putting this all together and getting us to meet with you. So thank you very much to uh, Laurie. Yeah. And uh, hey, Mike, you know what? Great episode again. Learned so much. And I know our audience uh, will be, too, when they hear this episode. But uh, if they're interested in finding us, the Protectors Podcast, where can they find us? 
Well, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, I like Spotify myself. You could go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, wherever you could find them. Please sign up. Listen. We, we love our audience. We get a lot of great feedback from them. So thank you very much. Absolutely. And you know what? If you have an idea for a topic or maybe you have a, a scam or a fraud that you want to hear us discuss on the podcast, you can shoot us an email at IAFCI Protectors Podcast at gmail.com. I like it. I know. Isn't that good? All right. Hey, Mike, it's time to sign off again. Uh, thanks to our uh, listeners. And uh, I am Mark Solomon, international president of the IFCI, and I'll be signing off from Connecticut. And this is Mike Carroll, international chairman from Chicago. We'll see you again. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Remember, as you join the fight to protect our citizens, you're not alone. With more than 6,500 members from around the world, the men and women of the IAFCI are standing together with you. To learn more or to join the IAFCI, please visit our website at www.iafci.org. The Protectors Podcast is produced by Modified Media and is available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. The hosts and guest opinions are their own and do not reflect those of management, employers, or sponsors. Listeners are encouraged to contact law enforcement if they suspect being a victim of a crime.